what we've got here today is a far better representation of what the SEND ministry, which is the third component of the four components of our new leadership model and those major ministry areas, what that SEND ministry is really all about. Uh, so, you know, God, God is good, and, and we've just been blessed all week, and I think you'll be blessed now as, as, you, as you hear their stories. Because these people um, have been on short-term mission trips uh, over the past year, and these are people from our congregation. So they will be sharing with you today in interview format um, about uh, how God sent them and, and uh, what that means for us. So with the sin ministry, now we started a couple weeks ago here with discipleship. And with discipleship, we learned about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and sitting at his feet and learning from him. And then last week, we uh, heard from Pastor Tim about care ministry, specifically pastoral care ministry. If you come to that forum that's going to be after this service uh, that explains the details of the model, you'll find out you know, the details of this. But, but there with care ministry, you know, it's living out uh, what the an observer of the early church said about the early church when he said, behold how they love one another. And that's care ministry. And then now today we go to that third one, which is send ministry. And send ministry, the best way I can describe it really would be, would be this, that yesterday on the way to church, I saw this bright orb in the sky um, that I hadn't seen for a very long time, you know. I understand they call it the sun. Um, I, we had to become reacquainted, the sun and I. And, you know, there's another, and, and there's another sun, you know, spelled a different way, uh, S-O-N. And uh, when that sun comes into your life, you've got to figure out what to do with them. And uh, what happens is, is, is you've really got to do something with them, do something with the sun. And, and what he does is he sends us to share him. It might be sharing him with uh, you know, a family member, a neighbor, maybe with uh, going to serve at a food shelf in town or you know, maybe across the world in a short-term mission trip like we'll hear about now. But he does send us, and that's what the send ministry is all about. So we'll uh, hear from these folks now. And by the way, so I don't forget, last service I forgot, after the service today, these folks are going to be out here in the narthex uh, along with several others who are part of the SEND ministry here or, or what will be the SEND ministry um, in, in missions and people that have been involved in short-term missions here. You can stop by and talk to these people and, and uh, ask some other questions and things like that. So here we are, and thank you for moving the furniture. I appreciate that. Why don't we start out? Alyssa, we'll start out with you. Tell us your name and uh, where'd you go on this mission trip? So my name is Alyssa Yule. I went to Rochester, New York for my first mission trip, and my second was to Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I'm Lisa Whitehead. I went to those two mission trips, and I also went to West Virginia, coal mining country. Okay. I'm Dave, and this is my wife, Michelle, and we went to Romania, a small little village in Romania called Dinyasa. Okay, and uh, uh, for those of us who are uh, geographically challenged, why don't you tell us where New York is? <laughs> uh, uh, Romania, <laughs> where Romania is. So uh, we know where London is, hopefully, and then you kind of go a little bit east, and then there's Europe, Germany, keep going east, Poland, keep going east, and you've kind of heard of Russia and the Ukraine. Gone too far. 
You've gone too far, so back up just a scope, look directly underneath the Ukraine, and therefore there's where you're at, and that's where Romania is. All right. And uh, the pictures that you're seeing scrolling behind us here, um, the Romanian pictures are grouped together, and then the, the high school mission trip pictures are grouped together as well. And uh, your mission trip was with the, the high school group here at St. Michael. Uh, so... Tell, tell us a little bit more about that trip. If, if I were standing in the shadows there, just kind of observing what you were doing, what would I see? So we went on our mission trip through an organization called Group Missions. And right when we got there, there was a session where we praised and we, there were messages and everything. But then when we actually started our work, we were put into crews with around six people, but you could have a double crew with more from people from all across the country. So you're put with no one from your youth group, but people from all different states, all different backgrounds, all different faiths. And you worked on at home. You either did exterior or interior. My first year I did exterior, so we did a lot of construction. And then my second year we did interior, so a lot of painting. And at lunchtime, we got to have devotions with our resident. So we got to not only eat lunch with them, but hear their story and talk to them about God. And it was really interesting to see how a group of people who went from not knowing each other, coming from all different backgrounds, all different states, became best friends and got to learn from each other's faith walks and got to hear the story of our resident. Like our, my first resident's name was Virginia, but she was very open and she wanted us to call her Mama V. And we learned that when she was young, she grew up without a mother. So she makes it her life's mission to take in foster children and to give them an education and to teach them about God and just invite them into her home. Even when we were sitting doing our devotions one day, a family walked by. She didn't even know them. She invited them to come eat lunch with us, and she gave them water, and it was just so inspiring. So there's the whole environment of the mission trip. It's full of love, full of connections, and just really indescribable. All right. Hey, before we do anything else, I'm noticing that uh, we're kind of hiding behind um, some furniture here and some things here. So let's, we, we got wheels. Let's scoot forward here, okay? All right, scoot. Scoot as, yeah, there you go. All right. Not that far. <laughs> you can't bring them anywhere, can you? Yeah. All right. And uh, so, Lisa. Well, I think Alyssa did a great job describing it. The only thing I would add is just that the families were chosen ahead of time, the people that we were serving. So in West Virginia, coal mining country, there were a lot of people that were very poor. It was very rural. Um, in Rochester, New York, that was more urban. And a Kodak company had closed their a plant, and so a lot of people had been put out of work because of that. And then in the last, um, it was mostly kind of rural um, in North Carolina, again, you know, just poor. So a lot of the people were poor, um, disabled, and just in need of help. Okay. And over to the two of you. What would I see if I were standing in the shadows in Romania watching you? Um, first, I need to tell you a little bit about where we were um, in Romania in this little city called Dinyasa, um, where there is a 70% unemployment rate, 70, 70, 70% unemployment rate. Um, what you would see is um, homes without electricity, without running water. Most didn't have anything on the floor, so dirt floors. Um, and what you would see um, me doing, um, what us doing, um, would be uh, uh, I, I 
partic in particular went to help a group of ladies learn how to crochet. And um, so you would see me helping these ladies learn to crochet. Um, you would see us praying over the city from the top of a hill. You would see us um, going door to door and just talking to people and getting to know them. And you, and you probably are wondering, well, how can you do that since you don't know Romanian and I don't know Romanian? Um, we had interpreters with us at all the time, at all times. So that was very, very nice. But we learned how to love on people without saying it, and it was, it was an incredible experience. And what I would add to that is what you would see as an observer is you have to understand the region. Um, Romania is divided by its mountain range that's in the middle, and on the top half is a totally different culture and how its infrastructure is set up versus the southern part. And in the southern part, when it comes to church, it's uh, Orthodox church. They have the main presence within the area. And it's a Orthodox church that is, for the most part, spiritually dead. So you follow rules and regulations. And it's hard for us to understand being in Canton, Michigan, but these individuals, if they depart from what the church says, you can't get buried in the cemetery. And that is a huge thing to them. So they have this, this, this darkness that's put upon them. Now inside what you would see is in the city, the, next to this village of um, Dinyatsa is Dragonesh. And that's where Hope Church is. And it's a church that was planted there by God. And it is like a beacon of light in the dark. And what that means is that um, I was able to worship twice for Easter because the Orthodox, um, they celebrate Easter a couple of weeks after us. And to be able to see people in the morning, they have two services on, on Easter Sunday, and to see how God can be aware there. And you would see people who are living like in the first century church. They are giving what they have, that little, that little bit that they have uh, for example, to us, they would give us food um, that they really didn't have to give because we're Americans, and they just wanted to give. They wanted us to feel welcome, and that's what you would see is this dichotomy of, of darkness traditions, and I do things because my parents and my parents and parents have done it versus this shining light from um, Christians, from hope, to give them hope, hence the name Hope Church, um, and they do it by tangibly living out um, their faith. Cool. And what, what did you actually do on the mission trip then? Um, right there, if you look, um, I, was a, I put bricks together. The, what you see is the foundation being laid of um, a brick structure that would house a cow. Um, what was there was mud bricks. And um, when it gets really wet and stuff, the mud starts to fall apart. But that's the only building material they have. So my job, um, what I like to build things, was I volunteered uh, when we went. We went on our own. We didn't go with an organization. Um, and we could talk about that, how we got there. That's mm -hmm. kind of cool. Um, but my mm -hmm. job was to help out building things. Mm -hmm. And the more I gave of myself, the more I was shared or given by the people that were there. And every morning, Marianne, the guy in white with the black stripes, and the guy who is sitting there off to the corner, would come up there, my brother, how can I serve you? And I'm like, dude, I came to serve you. So I, I built stuff is what I did. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like it's done. Oh, and she made stuff that I can't do. She cross-stitched. <laughs> All right. Knitted. The crochet. Crochet. crochet, crochet, whatever it is. Yeah, crochet. Yeah, uh, and you crocheted in Romanian, which is which is an extra skill. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, why'd you go? So tell, uh, tell us that story. And you could, because my son, my oldest son and daughter-in-law is here. Um, years ago, uh, one of the counselors from Okaboji, we go there every year. It's a camp out in uh, Iowa. Um, called us and said, would you prayerfully support us as I was going, she, Rachel was her name, um, was going on the world race, and she felt called into the mission field. What the world race is, is it puts individuals in different countries throughout the world, and it's to allow God to direct these individuals where they would be um, placed. Mm -hmm. And she uh, was called to Romania, to Danyatsa, as uh, Michelle said. And as this was going on, we spent many Skype calls and the like and spent time with her that we felt called to partner with her as well. So beyond prayer, we just started, we would support you, whatever that means. And things kept going on. And one Skype call where she was really excited knowing, you know, you know, when you're doing something, you know, it's the right thing. And she was so excited and she knew these kids that she was to minister to. This is where she was supposed to be. And we were talking about this and she's like, you know, you guys should come. And I didn't really think anything of it because my wife, she doesn't like to travel a lot, um, especially to stressful situations. She likes to have her life in order. And so going to a small little village in Romania wasn't on her top of her list of things to do. And this all happened during our 30th wedding anniversary year. And I was thinking, let's do something really special. Let's go to Ireland, all right? They kind of speak English there. And I can convince her sister who lives in Germany and her brother-in-law mm. to come with us so that we could all go together and celebrate our 30th because they mm. were also wed on the same year. Well, God had other plans. Later on in, in that winter that Michelle was at work, and as clear as I'm talking to you, God said, you need to go to Romania. And as soon as she heard that voice, she calls me. I'm driving home from work in a snowstorm pickup sink, you know, my hands are on the wheel, and, and I'm like, yeah, honey, what's up? And she goes, Dave, God said, we're going to a Romania. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, and I almost went off into a snowdrift, but fortunately not. And what's really cool about that is we did go, and we listened to that voice, and it was the coolest way to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary because he brought us together in college. It was all centered about who Jesus is, and listening to that voice, and I am just very, very blessed um, of that happening. That's great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And how about the two of you? Why, so, why, why'd you go? Um, I have grown up in the faith, gone to church regularly, youth group, and gone to many retreats at Spring Hill, but I always felt that my faith could be strengthened more. I always, I'm a go-getter. I always felt like I could do more. I could strengthen my faith in other different ways, and I get the most reward in serving through helping others, working with people. I'm a people person. And when I heard that I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip, I took it and ran with it right away. And I decided before I was going, I was going to put myself all out there. When I was put in a crew with people from all across the country, I made sure to open up about my faith, and that helped me to learn about their faiths as well. My ability to open up, my ability to relate to these people was incredible because I hadn't known them going in. 
And I'm so glad that I made this decision to take this leap because I, my faith was strengthened in ways that I came and put into words. It took a whole different turn because I was physically living out the faith. I wasn't just thinking it. I wasn't just speaking it. I was helping people. I was inspiring people. And the reward I got from the trip from doing this is something that I will have for the rest of my life. And I'm so thankful for it. So the short answer as to why I went was because Sean asked me. <laughs> and I had been on some spring hell traps because I'm an overprotective mom and always kind of wanted to be there with my daughter, Sarah. Um, but the longer answer is just that I, in my 20s, really kind of wanted to keep God at a distance. And um, really, he had kind of been working on my heart just over the years as, as my faith grew. And so I had wanted to do a mission trip. So when Sean came to me, almost apologetically, you know, like, oh, I hate to ask you to do something again. But... Um, but really, my heart was ready, and I really wanted to do it. Um, so, so it was really kind of God bringing me to that point. All right. And um, Alyssa, your dad gave me a, a very, very long list of extremely embarrassing questions to ask you here. <laughs> so I haven't a chance to ask them yet, so I thought I'd get started. Uh, no, I'd, just kidding. Um, um, talk about some God moments. What, what did you see there? Where, where was God working? I have a specific story from my first mission trip in Rochester, New York. So we got to our house. We were working on a, a huge, on a single crew on a huge house. It was actually a historical home, originally part of the Underground Railroad. And so what you do before you go to the house is you get a packet that says everything that needs to be completed for the house. It's basically like a contract. And so we got to the house, and we started working. We were building staircases, building porches, replacing rotted wood. And we realized that there was more work that needed to be done that was actually in the contract. And this was a problem because we actually had the contractor come to our house and tell us, after we had already teared down all the stairs, that we didn't have the resources to finish the project. We basically needed, would need to have the project shut down. And this was really like heartaching because we had gotten to know our resident on a personal level. We had learned this, learned her story, learned that she fosters children, she takes them and keeps them off the street. We wanted to help her in every way we could. Her house was destroyed from a natural disaster that she couldn't help. And she was thankful for everything we did, but we didn't want to leave her house unfinished without stairs that she couldn't get into her house. And to hear that we were almost shut down was just awful. So our crew prayed about it. We prayed about it the whole day. We talked to our contractor. There were, our red shirt came in. The red shirts are the people who oversee the whole project. They're volunteers. They're amazing. And the next day, the contractor and our red shirt came in and told us that we could complete our project. We could get the resources to finish it. And it was incredible because our prayers went so far, and we didn't have... We weren't finishing the project to check it off a list. We are finishing this project because we want to do it for this woman that inspired us, that gave us so much hope, that she, with every, all the little she had, she was giving up her home for these kids, taking them, off the, taking them off the street and giving them an education. And it was just amazing. And we actually finished our home early and got to go help another crew that hadn't finished their project yet the last day. We got reassigned. And it was just incredible. It was a God sighting, and I'll never forget that moment. 
And Lisa, just, just for clarity, the two of you were not on the same mission uh, teams um, or work crews, I guess would be a more precise term, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, I just saw God working in a lot of ways that were profound but maybe kind of small, um, looking at it from the outside. One of the things that was kind of funny before we went on the trip, the very first trip, my daughter Sarah had asked, you know, can we pick the paint color? I want to paint a room pink. You know, and I was just like, no, uh-huh. you can't pick the paint for somebody else. And the residents actually picked their own paint and, and purchased it as part of the, the program. But um, as it turned out, out of the probably 40-some-odd projects that were on that mission, um, she ended up on the project where there was a little three-year-old girl who wanted a pink room, and she got to bless her with uh-huh. that pink room. So that was awesome. Yeah. I saw a young man that had, was questioning his faith that, I didn't think, I didn't say it, of course, but I didn't think should be the one volunteering to be the devotions leader because we all picked things. Um, and it turned out that God used that to strengthen his faith. He, he was able to talk with somebody else on his crew about the things that they were going to present as being the devotions leader. Um, and, a, and a male leader spent a lot of time talking with him. I saw kids in our youth group. There's, they have a nightly program, and... Um, a lot of it is kind of self-examination and looking at your own faith and where you're at and maybe where you've been hurt and where you need to heal. And uh, one night I, you know, I was doing my own prayer part. We are sent to different parts of the room to pray. But then, you know, I thought, okay, I need to go and see how the kids are doing. And I didn't need to. They were, like, hugging each other, loving each other, crying together. It was just, I want to just say that we have the best, all of you guys up there, the best youth group Um, because this is a place if there's any high schoolers here that don't go to youth group I want you to know that you will never find a place where you are more loved and more accepted and and that's I guess where God moved my own heart is just seeing the boldness of their faith seeing the strength of their faith seeing how they care for one another and they really just live it out Amen. thank you Okay, God moments. Where did where'd you see God working in Romania? I saw God working in the people that we, we went and saw. Um, remember I told you that 70% of the people in this area are unemployed. And so what happens is the adults, the mom and dad, usually leave the area to go in search of some employment, which leaves the oldest child, sometimes 14, 15, 16-year-old, in charge of the household. Well, we met one of these young girls. Her name is Mariana, and um, she's, now she's about 17 years old. She speaks a little bit of English, and, um, and so I got to know her a little bit. Mariana has um, three siblings that she is responsible for, making sure that they're kept clean and making sure that they are fed, and I don't know where she finds the things she does, but she does. Um, and she loves Jesus and you can clearly see it in that every time she leaves her house all of the neighborhood kids are following Mariana and they are they they can't wait for her to give them a hug and they can't wait to to hear what she has to tell them because she's going to tell them something wonderful about Jesus and it's just so amazing to see um and uh yeah, that's, I saw God working in the people. There were so many stories I could tell you. Just, it was just amazing. And what's kind of cool about that girl um, and the families that are there, when you're looking at the slides that are on the screen, 
Um, that's Tanta Maria. That's behind me. Um, and she, her house was kind of next to the house church that they worshipped in. It was very, very small. Um, you could probably put the whole house on the footprint of where we're sitting. And what was interesting about this girl, this woman, she had a daughter that we finally got to meet. And, you know, through the actions of these people giving and just um, living their lives as God asked them to, to turning off the noise that's in, you know, our lives, but to listen to what God had them do, that you see her daughter, this adult woman, you know, come to Christ. And it's just a really humbling experience. And then the other thing that's really interesting about where you see God moving. So we talked about the darkness of the area. The other thing I should mention is where I got to uh, help build this barn is um, the gentleman who, uh, it was his house, was a gypsy. And a gypsy, everybody knows they're a gypsy because their skin color is slightly different. And the church turns their back on the gypsy. So here you have somebody, poverty, you can't get a job, you're trying to make um, things uh, available for your children. It's very hard because what they can't afford is junk food. And you see it everywhere. There, it's, it's a horrible diet, but then that's what's really inexpensive. And so they're trying to make ends meet, and yet you see these people coming from all different areas of Romania, as well as even the United States, like with Rachel, and coming up and loving on them, and how God can take that and be able to get them to change their diet, mm -hmm. to be able to have them then, um, that's the side of the house church, and in the back there's a garden, and then you start helping them to grow, get produce and stuff like that so they can grow their own food to have a better diet. And so part of the physical, mm -hmm. they're being fed physically, but mm -hmm. spiritually they grasp onto that, and you see people coming to Christ uh, in this darkness, and it's just, it was just really um, hard to describe, like he said, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the, the bricks that you used to build that, that barn for the cow, wh where did those come from? Um, that prior picture you saw were the people in the blue awning. That blue awning is kind of like uh, Marianne's garage. So his garage doesn't exist anymore. It's just a slab of concrete. And adjoining that or next to it is his house. And it's very, very, um, he has a wife who was pregnant. She was eight months pregnant. Uh, they have three children, and they're always having people with them. Um, it's, the house was right next door to it. Well, they felt led to tear down a third of the house. So the whole group came in. They ripped off. So this is, remember, the walls here. This is the kitchen. This part of the house, which is attached, they want to make sure they don't tear the whole house down. They ripped out all the bricks, reclaimed the bricks, um, carted away all of the refuse, which would have been um, the mortar and the like, and then cleaned off the bricks, had them moved over to Denyasa, um, and then that's what we used. So you see uh, efficiencies because that's all they have, but then you see sacrificial giving. And what they had is, like God said, as soon as they ripped it out, they found out they could build up Marianne's house to put on some more to have more rooms to have people <laughs> shared in the house. So yeah, it was really kind of cool on how that worked. Well, what, what comes to mind there is the verse, uh, uh, whoever gives up houses and lands for the kingdom of God, right. um, uh, more will be given. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, uh, if you would share, you, you up to sharing the story about the, the prayer on the hill? Sure. Okay, all right. 
Um, one of the first days we were there, um, we were told, we had our, 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 our agenda was pretty much um, set up for us before we even got there. We knew what we were going to be doing each day. Um, uh, the first day that we were there after um, the Sunday worship, um, we, I knew that we were going to be praying for the city of Danyasa, and um, it said on our agenda, prayer on the hill, okay? So up the hill we go, and as we're going up the hill, the little children from the village are following us, and they are following us up this, I mean, it is a big hill, good 25, 30-minute walk up to the top of the hill, and when you got to the top of the hill, saw the entire city of Dinyasa, and it, that was a really kind of a cool, we have a picture of it, not here, but we have a picture of it, a panoramic picture, pretty cool. Um, and so we got on our knees to pray, and I, I expected the children to just sort of flitty-floaty way, but no, they got down on their knees, and their prayers were for the people of Danyasa, and that they, too, would come to know Jesus, like they had. And it was so humbling to, I, I mean, just amazing that these little kids, they knew the truth, and they were willing to share it, and they were willing to pray for the people that would that persecute them and call them names. They were willing to pray for them. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, Alyssa uh, and, and Lisa, one thing I've discovered with a short-term mission trip is that um, not only are the, the certain people served that are in that place, but uh, you are affected and changed as well. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? How did this change you? How did it affect you? Yeah, so the mission trip is like no experience I've ever had before. I've never been in such a loving environment surrounded by everyone that wants to be there for the same purpose. They're all coming from different backgrounds, but they're all there to serve. Everyone's happy to be there. And you're just never filled with so much servitude and so much love. It's not like, like you want those type of people in your life. So, like, after my mission trip, I have kept in touch with the friends I've made there because we, we send packages for Christmas, we write letters, because those are the type of people that hold me accountable for my faith. I learned so much from their faith stories and from my resident. Keeping in touch with them has been so valuable in getting through the hardships of everyday life. So, in going on this trip, I came, I came the first day I came home, I told my parents, this was better than any vacation I've ever been on. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever experienced. And I really saw God working through me. And I, and I just wanted to share my trip with everyone. I made a scrapbook as soon as I got home. I wanted to help everyone I could. It's not, it wasn't about the fact that I learned how to fix a home when I had no experience going in. It was the relationships I built. It was the memories I came away with. And everyone at camp was so loving to, towards each other. We had to write these things called care cards, which are positive notes of affirmation. You wrote one to every member of your crew and every member of your youth group. People stayed up the night before they were due until four in the morning trying to finish these care cards because in writing these letters, you're showing how much you appreciate these people you met, you appreciate their stories, and it's all part of that loving environment that this trip created. So on our journey home back from the trip, 
we all opened up our bags and were reading our care cards. And many of us didn't realize the impact we made on others, just smiling at others and helping our residents together, all coming together. And whenever I'm in a bad mood or not having a good day, I read these care cards because it reminds me of how life should be lived. Life should be lived in, such a, in a positive light in serving others. You don't have to go on a mission trip to experience this. But that just, the mission trip just reminded me of how life should be. If you live in servitude, that's you helping your neighbor shovel their snow, maybe helping someone at school who doesn't understand a concept. It can be the simple things. And when you're serving others, you get that reward from their smile back. And that's just better than any gift you can receive. Thanks. Um, I, for me, it was just probably two things. First of all, just doing away with preconceived notions about how things should go. Um, there was one day when we had a rain delay and we couldn't work, and I'm all worried about the time. And, but the kids were much more you know, free and not, not, not trapped into that you know, kind of timeline thing like us adults. And they used that time to uh, play pool with this, this man. This was my third mission trip that um, he was a disabled man. He was a double amputee. He um, had been widowed and had a 13-year-old son. And that 13-year-old son, they play pool with him, the, the guys, and um, really just were a great Christian role model for him. So that was just using a rain delay that I thought you know, was a problem to really minister to him. And he ended up coming. The, the two of them came to our final program. And just seeing that 13-year-old boy singing with us, doing dancing, and the huge smile that he had on his face, um, that really just that meant so much to me. Um, he used a confusion with the paint on another mission trip to the, the youth again, like went ahead and just um, said, well, we're going to go talk to this resident. She had been welcoming, but then she kind of retreated into her house and hadn't talked to us. So my thought was, well, you know, she clearly kind of wants to be left alone. And, but they, they just kind of forged ahead and went in to talk to her and ended up hearing her story, her hurts, and so forth. And so again, God used the circumstance that didn't seem ideal, that wasn't part of the plan to really do his work. And um, as part of all that, really what I learned was just from, from all of the youth, just that boldness of faith and that honesty and that um, just clarity and sincerity of heart to, you know, I need to be more like that. I need to be, you know, not thinking about my agenda and, you know, what I want to accomplish and, you know, but really just being more opening, open to the moving of God. Amen. And last question for you. Um, why might you recommend somebody else to go on a mission trip? What, what, what about that is important? So it's all about being in that loving environment. It's a steadfast, loving environment. Everyone wants to be there. And it's really hard to describe, hard to articulate that environment. And every person here, every youth that's sitting here today that went on the youth group came away with different stories. We were all put in crews with different people from all across the country. There, were even, there was even a group from Japan on their first mission trip that some of our youth got to meet some of the members in that youth group. And everyone coming away with these stories, you can use these stories to share to others. You can be a disciple of God 
by going and sharing your story. And that way God sees, you. people see God through you. People, if you're doing nice deeds to people at school, people may come ask you, why did you do that? And you can t- that'll give you an opportunity to share your story. It's not about pushing God on people, it's being that positive light. And being in that environment, in that loving environment, you can make a change in this world and you can spread that love to other people you encounter because that's ultimately how life should be lived. So I really encourage if you have the opportunity to go on a mission trip or just to serve others and be a missionary to God because it helps people see God through you. I want to say really that I feel like you know, it wasn't just us going because anybody that, you know, brought stuff to sell at the rummage sale and anybody that bought stuff at the rummage sale and went through the car wash and prayed for us and so forth. So our, our trip really represented a lot more people than were physically there. And those prayers, you know, we felt those prayers, the, you know, prayers for protection to get there and back and all that. So I just want to thank you all for participating with us in that. So you really were part of that mission trip. In terms of, you know, physically going on a mission trip, um, my takeaway is just that, you know, we all know God loves us. We all know that we should love each other, but you really experience that firsthand. You feel that love. You share that love, and that love comes back to you tenfold. You know, our residents, every one of them did something for us. They made us a meal, and you know, including the the double amputee that, you know, was using his scooter to get around his kitchen, and this 13-year-old boy was helping him, and they made us, you know, a barbecue. Um, so it was just, um, you know, it's the, the, what we always say, but it's so true that, you know, you, you go there to try to bless somebody and you end up being incredibly blessed. Amen. Thanks. And back to you two. So first Uh, question was, how were you changed? Yes. And then if you could just kind of wrap that into, uh, why would you recommend it to somebody else? Um, for those that know me, maybe some people out there like my son or my mom, Uh, I talk a lot. (laughs) I'm pretty outgoing. But you know, it's very interesting when when God had and talked to Michelle and said, you need to go to Romania. There was so much noise. I work at Ford. I travel a lot. I love working on cars because God put me there. I'm an engineer. I enjoy what I do. And I tell people why because the mechanical things of God, it's just he does this and he could make a wheel and a tire. But you know, that's all fine and good until, like you're saying, you let the noise settle down. And like Isaiah, God didn't talk to Isaiah. He heard him. And so I go, and I meet this guy named Marianne. Every morning, this guy came up to me. Hallelujah, David. Brother David, how can I serve you? And you know, I start thinking about the things that I have, the things that I've done in my faith walk, and I'm completely humbled by this guy. The guy who I'm coming to help He's helping me. And so I really look, it was hearing truly what God had to say. You know, and I challenge each one of you in regards to your second question as we move out. You could minister to so many people. Last night God had it that we would share at the 530 service, and I got to meet one of the youth that I remember, you know, that Michelle and I taught years ago. I haven't seen her for at least 10 years. There she was, sitting right over there. And we're able to say, how are you doing? We then are able to get in contact with her and be able to share with her and partner with her because she's coming back to church. She had a lot of stuff in her life she needed to sort through. 
And so I really challenge you, it's the things that are close by, the neighbor that you like to secretly get a snowblower and, you know, clean off their driveway, to the guy at work or the person at work that is just being a real jerk, but you still appreciate them and you love them, you know, because I'm not the perfect guy. And yet through this whole experience, I was humbled by this man because he demonstrated what we read in Scripture you know, here he is in this small little house. I see his house being torn down. The kitchen is like this close, and yet they're giving food away that they really don't have just to serve us. And so I was really, really humbled. Um, I was strengthened in my walk, and God became real, and it's hard to put into words, you know, and for Dave, he was very speechless in a lot of these in, uh, God moments. And I just challenge you, you know, we're going back. We felt led to go back in 2018. And if this is something that God, I mean, turn off the noise. All that media stuff that's out there, look at what God's saying and hear him and join us if you, if you feel called. Um, truly humbled. And when we returned to the United States, just realizing how in- incredibly blessed we are. Um, walk in, walk in my house and have a refrigerator full of food and turn on the faucet and hot and cold running water and electricity and heat, air conditioning in the summertime, just a lap of luxury. Then I hear these hymns up here um, talking about how God wants to or God, God has a heart for the poor, and he, and he loves the poor. And these poor people in Danyasa have no idea that they're poor because this is all they've ever known. And, and yet, out of, their, out of their humble means, they give and give and give. And it's just, it's just humbling and, and feel very blessed. And come join us. All right. All right. Thank you all. Let's give them a round of applause.